If we can't talk to each other, we're not gonna make it. Sometimes I feel like I, I, I've been on more than I can chew. Most of the time, I work in a glass jar and lead a very uneventful life. A face full of glass hurts like hell when you're in it. That's weird. That glass looks half full to me. Eating glass. Eating glass and staring into the abyss. Glass? Who gives a shit about glass? Who the fuck is this? It's kind of part of our culture to eat glass. I'm gonna get some safety goggles next time. Uh. <laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome to Chewing Glass, the show where we talk to developers building in the Solana ecosystem. My name is Chase Barker, developer relations at Solana Labs. Uh, today we have with us Brian Friel. Brian is actually a heavy contributor to the Solana ecosystem. I spoke with Brian probably a few months ago. I started noticing that he was writing some really uh, great articles about Solana. I always have my eye out to, to kind of find people who are just altruistically contributing in the ecosystem. Brian was one of those guys, um, and here he is today. So, Brian, how's it going, man? Hey, Chase. Great to be here. Big fan of the show. Super excited to have you. You have done so many contributions to the ecosystem, um, everything from your own personal articles about PDAs with Anchor. You've contributed heavily to the Solana cookbook. Actually, many people probably don't know because you never really spoke about it. There is some great news today, Brian. I actually heard from a little birdie that you just got hired at Phantom. That's correct. Yeah, this is a Solana podcast exclusive. <laughs> uh, I'm joining Phantom and I'll be uh, their first developer relations hire there. So super stoked to build out the uh, best wallet on Solana. Yeah, that's awesome. Like I know that there's a use for for that on like a wallet. I just like every company is completely different whenever it comes to developer relations. So you've been hanging out with uh, the Solana Labs DevRel team. I'm sure you'll jump in there and you probably have already started to try to figure out what you're going to do on day one, I'm sure. Yeah, it's a greenfield kind of space here. There's a lot to do. And I think you're right. One of the best things about this space too is that so many people are just building in public that you know we, we get a lot of feedback of what developers building on Solana want to see out of us at Phantom. Uh, so my job is really to kind of get in touch with everyone who's building and start triaging what the biggest priorities are to, to make this the best experience. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm sure you're going to do great. Also, another one of our wonderful part-time dev advocates, Loris, uh, just got hired by Metaplex. But at the yeah. end of the day, we love this. This is exactly what we want. All the better and, and congrats on that. Yeah, shout out Loris. He's awesome. And Metaplex got a huge, huge uh, win there getting him. For sure. I guess... I usually start these out with some more of the boring things for most people. Everybody wants to hear about the development stuff. Number one, when, when you did start um, working with us, had I reached out to you or did you reach out to me? I've been thinking about this today and I cannot actually remember how that unfolded. Yeah. So I think way back, I actually reached out to you once. And at the time, I might have not even been on Twitter under my real name. I kind of just started a alt Twitter account just to, you know, Check out a couple of different things I was interested in in crypto. I saw your presence pretty early on and messaged you. Um, but I'm pretty sure at that time you were just drowning in DMs. So <laughs> I went all out my way, starting to build stuff uh, and then starting to just share stuff publicly, which we can talk about. But I think through that, then you circled back and then we reconnected. Yeah, exactly. If you're listening, that's how you do it. 
<laughs> if I don't respond to you, do something cool and we'll eventually connect. Anyways, definitely generally curious on your background, whether it's tech related or not, like just whatever you are comfortable with sharing and like what you were doing before you were involved in any of this crazy thing that we call crypto. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like a lifetime ago. So I actually didn't study computer science in college, unlike a lot of people, but uh, over time I did make my way into the tech world. And then quickly after graduating, I got pretty lucky and I got a job as a front end engineer at a small crypto hedge fund here in the Bay Area. It's called Castle. Was with those guys for about four years. Absolute awesome experience. And it was really interesting to see the whole trading side of the industry, which obviously is kind of how this all got its legs. People wanted to speculate on this. Over time, my role there really evolved from just a pure dev to somebody who was really kind of boots on the ground trying to figure out what's new in the space. Through that, I came across Solana pretty early on, obviously seeing Sam Bankman-Fried throw his weight behind it, but then some other stuff you know, that came along like Mango, I'm seeing the possibilities there. So in my free time, I really started just digging into it you know, outside of work. Work was the catalyst for finding it, but that's really how I got my start, just looking into the developer side of things uh, on Solana. What was your kind of experience level like directly before Solana? Yeah, so I was a React front-end engineer was really my specialty. So we were building, I specifically was tasked with building interfaces for our trading systems. Uh, we had a whole um, proprietary tech trading system and I was the front-end guy. So uh, I would say pretty proficient with you know React and Node.js and TypeScript, but I really wasn't a back-end guy. I'd never done anything with Rust. And I actually hadn't really done too much on Solidity the time yet. I kicked around a few side projects, but nothing really ever got past, you know, just a couple of weeks side hobby sort of deal. What I definitely am seeing in this ecosystem, and I think uh, Armani's talked about it a handful of times, is that a lot of engineers in Solana are actually Solana natives that have never touched Solidity. They've never owned a MetaMask wallet. Obviously, a lot of these guys are probably some of the more younger guns, even some of the older ones as well, probably for a variety of reasons. But it's interesting to see technologies that have been around for a while that like newer technologies are actually being uh, used and developed on first, like it's never really been a thing before, you know, like most that there was always a learning path that was like, you find out about Bitcoin, you find out about Ethereum, you build on Solidity, and then like you find some other things and you might jump ship. And like, we're seeing a lot of people that are really just going straight to Solana. You're, you were involved in, in kind of that space, like tasked with finding out what's hot, what's going on. And you saw SBF was building a, a central limit order book on Solana. And then that's kind of what set you uh, in that direction. Yeah, I was pretty aware of the Ethereum ecosystem before we had, you know, we actually were running our own validators for ETH2 and doing a couple other things as it relates to trading actually on Ethereum mainnet today. For me personally, I think it was just really an interesting time to uh, dedicate like my free time to learning Solana because it felt like there was this this new paradigm of of blockchain development. You know, a lot of the stuff that was coming out with other layer ones felt a little bit derivative of ETH, but Solana really felt like it was carving its own path out, and I thought that was worth exploring. And at the same time, I could see there was people who had you know serious credibility in the space who were dedicating their time to it. And then combined with that, there just wasn't any resources or really any subject matter experts on it yet. So that to me was the signal that it was a really good time. And I still think it is like a fantastic time to just dig my heels in and learn about this. And I haven't really looked back since. 
The first time we kind of talked, like that was probably early on and, and I was really just trying to get a feel for everything. There there probably wasn't a ton of information or, or like uh, content. I feel like there was some. You made a note to Mango Markets. So like what time frame did you really start paying attention to Solana? Not necessarily about like what's going on in the ecosystem, but rather like start looking at the documentation. Was this like super early 2021? Yeah, so I had kicked the tires on things at the end of 2020 when Solit was the only wallet and there really wasn't anything, but I think Break Solana was out there and, you know, I think Radium was out there. Serum Dex was also there around that time as well, I believe. Yeah, Serum. And I, I had just kind of made a mental note around that time. Things were pretty crazy in the space too. Just everything was going off. The so market, yeah. I was pretty yeah. busy at work, but uh, I would say when the market kind of cooled off in the summertime is when I personally started uh, digging the development side a lot more. Mango and Phantom with trying that out was definitely just the light bulb moment for me when I saw just how insane that user experience was. What really got me down the rabbit hole of development was following Armani on Twitter. Shout out Armani, he's the man. And seeing what he was doing with Anchor specifically. You know, I had I had stayed away from the development side of Solana purely because I had talked told myself, like, oh, I'm a front-end guy. I would have to learn Rust first, and then I would have to learn all the intricacies of Solana. It's just not worth my time. But Anchor was really single to me that I could start a side project and I could get up and running with something quickly. And then if that was interesting to me, then I could dig in further. And that's what I did. And I think that's actually a pretty good path for people who are you know, just kicking the tires on, on Solana development. I guess that means that you're, you're pretty much intro journey into development. You went, you went straight for Anchor. Um, yeah, yeah. Because I remember, was the PDA article you wrote the first article that you had written? So my first thing I did, I think this was either late August or early September. I just said I'm going to make a really basic app, you know, like a voting app on Solana, something that everyone's made before. But I'm going to use Anchor to do it. I don't. I think at the time Nadir Dabit had just published his first article, so I was kind of using that as a reference. But there really wasn't a whole lot about the intricacies of, of how Anchor related to Solana development in particular. And I had started as just, you know, it was hard for me to wrap my head around the account model, which I think is the biggest thing for most people coming into the space, especially if they're familiar with Ethereum. So I had just done a very basic, put a key pair on a node server, spin that up, something you would never want to do in a production app. And it worked until, you know, the Heroku server crashed and then it looked like <laughs> it just was like a joke of an app. So I couldn't really, you know, sleep well. I had written up my experience, but I couldn't really sleep well knowing that that's as far as I got. So that's when I dug into PDAs. I really started to understand the account model better on Solana, what that was. And I just wrote about that experience really selfishly for me, you know, just to have like a memo on that. And then I just put it out there. But I found out that a lot of other people were simultaneously going around the same sort of journey. And that's how I really, I think that was the article that I really started to get connected with a lot of people in the space. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty typical for a lot of these guys to to be documenting their journey. Uh, a lot of times that really sparks a revelation for people that I've noticed. It's like, wow, this is super valuable. And then I want to do it again. It's like, if this is helping people, I'm going to keep deep diving these things. But it all started with Armani being like, hey, I'm going to make this easier for everybody. And he did. And now he has a massive community of supporters that are uh, just building uh, on top of Anchor. Whereas the accounts model and the PDAs and Typically it is, but like for you, is that specifically was like the, until you got past that, like Solana was pretty hard. Yeah. In my mind, I thought it was going to be rust, 
Um, you know, especially being a front end dev, it's just a total different world. But the syntax is disgusting when you first look at it, at least in my personal opinion. Yeah, you can kind of understand, but I mean, <laughs> it, it really is. It's not, if you've never touched Rust, it's not bad. And it was nothing that really three or four hours worth of just looking over stuff. You can understand the gist of things, which is as much as you really need to get your first app up, which I think is the best way to learn just by doing. For me, it really was the mental shift of just how does Solana work in the account model? Because I think everyone's so used to, like I have Ethereum address, it has all these coins directly related to it. And then, hey, there's this Ethereum smart contract and it has its state and it has like a counter and it can do these things. So it's really weird to one, you're already saying, I'm gonna go away from this ecosystem, I'm gonna look at Solana. But then two, like a lot of what I have in my head as a mental map doesn't carry over. That seemed like a scary drum. That probably was the hardest thing, but it's really that account model. And I think that once you have a pretty good understanding of that, that's 80% of the work, the rest of the 20% of the work you'll get over time. Yeah. And I mean, like if we're talking about Rust native and then we're talking about Anchor, Anchor also hides a lot of these issues. Mm -hmm. You don't have to really worry so much about the serialization piece and like, Honestly, I don't know very many people that actually even know how to really do that efficiently and effectively in Rust. It's a huge pain in the ass to like yeah. to make that work. Have you actually have you done any of the serialization like in Rust native? Yeah, I've I've played around with Borsh a little bit now. I think as far as the whole anchor versus Solana native debate, speaking anecdotally, I definitely thought it was easier just to go with anchor. It lets you focus on what you're building. You don't have to worry about all the stuff like serialization. But then I think once you do build something to actually really understand how it works, and if you ever were to actually put any money, you know, your own, let alone other people's money in it, you absolutely should understand how Anchor relates to Solana Native and why it's doing the things it's doing, like what each trait and macro is, is actually doing under the hood. And then that just makes you really understand, I think, Solana all the better. There's a couple types of people there. There are the type of person out there that's like, no, I want to start with a base and then I'm going to work my way up. Mm-hmm. And those people are, are, tend to be the, like the more thorough, take their time, whatever. But then a lot of others are like, I want to push out an MVP because I want to write code like right the second. And then they do it. And then just general curiosity over time when you feel like you understand like a language like Anchor and you're like, okay, I got this. This is great. Now I'm actually curious how this works under the hood and then yeah so you kind of just go in the reverse direction this is again anecdotal but for people like me probably if you're a front-end dev it it actually it's really nice to have something tangible or it's like you built this you can show it to a friend they can connect the devnet wallet to it and they can use it and then you kind of really understand the tangible value of this new platform that solana is and then now you're innately curious of okay what how does this actually work i i saw that you know Anchor does this in less than 50 lines of Rust, but half these lines are are macros and I'm not quite sure what they do under the hood. And then that is, it's, it's very natural your learning path from there if you can just get the first project done. Have you to this day written anything in, um, in Rust Native? Have you written any programs? No, so I've, I've transitioned over more to the Web3 JS side of things because okay. um, that's kind of what I'm more comfortable with. As you know, recently I've been spending most of my time on more conceptual stuff like the Solana cookbook, 
And I dug in some stuff as well about retrying transactions during network congestion and all that. And that's a little bit more conceptually how the Solana blockchain works as a whole. If you guys didn't know, Brian just released um, a PDA section to the Solana cookbook. So check it out. Um, and also the retry portion. That was actually requested by uh, the Solana core engineer team. They were like, there's a lot of people that don't understand how to manage like failed transactions and how to retry them properly. Yeah, totally. That's kind of what drew me in to this space is that I'd seen people like the core engineering team there, um, you know, Trent and what Anatoly's built, obviously, but like, there's all this amazing tech that these guys have built and they've been so focused on building that no one's really there to kind of tell the story and, and to help make it more relatable to devs, maybe web two devs who are coming in. So I've seen a lot of people and I have friends who maybe aren't, you know, full-time crypto who are just like Solana just doesn't work. Like, unplug it and plug it back in kind of a deal, like what's going on there. Cause it's very different from Ethereum, but in my mind, like it's an incredible piece of technology that's been built and there's reasons why certain things have hiccups at certain times, but it doesn't mean it's a bad design. It just means that there's, we're testing in prod, we're moving this thing pretty fast. And what I wanted to do was kind of help shed light on, you know, what is actually happening? Because as I learned about it, it gave me more confidence in Solana as a whole, as a platform understanding you know, what the growing pains actually were under the hood. Whether people like to admit it or not, every blockchain in its infancy has suffered very, very similar problems. They're continuously working to improve this with Quick and other different options that are going to just make this more sustainable. Yeah. The best thing we can do is be honest about it. We have Solana Docs. They're highly technical documentation. They're not necessarily developer experience friendly unless you're like a very specific type of learner with a very mm -hmm. large brain. The first time I read it, I probably absorbed 10%. The next time I got it the, another 25%. And then it took me five or six or seven times before I grasped, grasped everything that was happening in there. It serves a very specific purpose. Most of that documentation, like the brunt of it, was written years ago by the co-founders. It can use some improvement, but at the time, we're like, let's move fast. Let's get the community contributing and, and kind of get the cookbook built out. And, and it turned out really great. It's five... It has a half a million page views, just short of a half a million, That's which awesome. is insane since the yeah. that just goes to show you how valuable it is and how valuable like your contributions are. And the same reason why we have these like little developer advocacy teams that that join weekly meetings with us so they can know what's going on and just help. The, the goal is to get some experience and then eventually get hired uh, by whoever you want to get hired by. And Luckily for you, that seems to have worked out and that's amazing. Yeah, no, the cookbook's been an awesome experience. And yeah, definitely shout out Jacob Creech and Lisa Maven and Loris and Colin and all those people who are working hard on it. It's been very organic. And I think that's, you know, kind of true of the whole Solana developer ecosystem as a whole is that it, it's aptly named podcast Chewing Glass, but there's a reason why people are dedicating their free time outside of work to this because it's, it's really awesome. And the cookbook in my mind is the best way if you're sort of on the sidelines or you've maybe built a small project and you don't really know how to go from here, getting involved with that is definitely the best move I think you can make. Contributing to the space as a whole, helping other people learn. The best way I've ever learned is writing for other people. And then once you do do that, it's really easy to connect with others who are building in the space. And there's so much to do that uh, you'll get picked up by somebody for sure. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. Like when that cookbook just kind of exploded, like also shout out to Super Team Dow for actually helping. Yeah, totally. There. They really crushed it. Watching that organic kind of just inflow of people that are like, hey, I'll do this thing. I'll do that thing. And they just did it. Like for a ghost chain, we actually seem to have a lot of developers like in the ecosystem. Anecdotally, I've 
seen just the explosion of people who've reached out to me saying, hey, I read your stuff and I want to learn more. What's the best way to get involved? And I think that's that gut feel of like the developer buzz and people who are spending their nights and weekends trying to wrap their head around this. I think that's the best kind of indicator you can really have. Because at the end of the day, it's there's a lot out there, but if you can get people who are actually interested in putting in the sweat to actually learn about this thing that's not always easy right off the bat, but even if they're just interested in it, it's, it's going to take mind share and that's how, uh, that's how we get better. Yeah. I still, every day I'm blown away, but I don't have to reach out to anybody. It's just all people reaching out. Like, and obviously I love to hear that they're reaching out to you and like everybody in the ecosystem has their DMS open. So if you write an article, expect for people to come and like ask you for advice and that tone has been set. It started with Anatoly with this whole openness thing and him and Raj with their DMs open went down to me and then to the community. And then just like, it just, it just keeps spreading and spreading and everybody's really just trying out there to help each other. Yeah. Without that sort of kind of vibe, you and I wouldn't have met, we wouldn't have worked together. None of these things would have happened. Yeah. I think that's definitely the most important thing is, is keeping that vibe set because, you know, I, I could have just as easily gone away, but I, I hopped in a anchor discord right when it was just getting started. And there's people like Armani, but then others like CQFD and Don Diablo and other people who are in those channels, just taking time out of their day to help me out. And then once I learned it, I felt like I had to pay it forward or wanted to pay it forward really and, and connect with more people. And I think as long as we can keep that momentum going, uh, that's, that's definitely the best. Yeah, for sure. So you talked about you were doing some some Web3 uh, stuff. You saw that the token program was completely rewritten in TypeScript. Yeah, have, pretty cool. Have you touched that yet? Have you played around with it? I've, I've played around with it a little bit. Haven't done a whole lot there, but I, I definitely plan to. I think one of the things that I was most interested in when I came here was Web3 because it's Web3.js because it's just so simple. You know, it's like an NPM package or a Yarn install. Uh, you can get up and running with that. I had an idea of making a little site that was a little bit interactive where, you know, you could have a snippet of code, say like how to send a soul to somebody. And then you click that. And then on the right, it's like actually rendering and showing what that actually looks like. But I think the cookbook has done a pretty good job. My idea kind of started right around when the cookbook launched. So I, I focused my efforts there on the cookbook, but I would say that's definitely, that should be a focus of mine and a bunch of other people who are interested in contributing. It's just improving the developer experience on web three right now. It's, there's a lot documentation wise that I think, uh, we could improve. Like even some of the Solana program library, for instance, the Solana, like token program JS library, which they call bindings in the documentation that doesn't exist for, uh, every program. Uh, so you would literally just have to write your own custom transactions and instructions to be able to, to use it. We are like kind of adding that to our, our little roadmap. And I'm sure there's additional components and extensions we can add to these things. We're working on it. Yeah, I think that's the right time to be contributing towards that kind of shared resource like that. Another one that I found that isn't, you know, Solana native programs, but the Sabre team has done a great job with their Sabre common repos. And I think they've set a really good example for other projects that if they want to win, they got to have the whole ecosystem win. They got to grow the pie. So open sourcing code and sharing what you know with people. Everyone I've interacted with across all projects has just been awesome so far. So I would really love to see that continue. Yeah. So I do this every episode. I'm going to put you on the spot and just kind of ask you, give some advice. 
Yeah. So I thought about this. I'd seen your two other episodes. <laughs> so I actually pulled a, I pulled a tweet from Armani, which if I can read here, because this is what it actually finally got me kind of off the couch and, and contributing. This is September, 2021. And he says, for every new technology, the pace of innovation exceeds the pace of education. If there's tons of examples to copy and paste, you're late. If you're confused because there's no docs, good. You've discovered a secret that is yet to be revealed to the rest of the world. Damn. Uh, and so I saw that right when I was kicking around the idea of like, maybe I should make an anchor thing. Ah, oh, you know, I'm busy. I, I, I got all this other stuff. I got a puppy, all this kind of stuff to take care of. But I would 100% agree with what he tweeted there. I think that's a legendary tweet. Yeah. If it's confusing, good. Just keep at it. And then I would say make a really simple project about as simple as you can. For me, it was an app that basically said, do you like crunchy peanut butter or do you like smooth peanut butter? And you connect your Phantom wallet and you vote for an option. The program records it. And it's still live to this day. You can check it out. pbvote.com. <laughs> nice plug. Yeah, nice plug for the peanut butter there. I'm not sponsored by any peanut butter companies. <laughs> but that for me was really what got me going. And I had set a deadline. I'd said, okay, I have to have this live in two weeks. And I think giving yourself that deadline is actually the most important thing. Because so many people come in, they say, hey, salon is cool, um, you know, but then they get distracted by something else because there's something new happening in this space every day. It's easy to watch the price of things, but sticking to a deadline. And even if you fail, but like knowing why you failed, if you're under pressure and you can get something out in two weeks or less, uh, just write about your journey. Just say like, this is what I built. It's simple, but it's live. Here's the source code. Here's the link. And this is what worked for me. This is what didn't work for me. You know, this thing sucked. This thing was great. And just create a Twitter and tweet about it. And I guarantee you, if you do that, people will reach out because you've probably touched some piece of code that someone else has written and they want to hear feedback on how that was. And then you have your own experience you can write about and maybe you can share something that helps other people build in the space. It's all about contributing, really. And once you contribute, other people really want to reach out. Yeah, it really just becomes this like perpetual cycle of like contributing, sharing, somebody else uses it, feels the same way and it just keeps going and going. And like, that's what we want. Like, and I'm just there screaming on Twitter to fuel the fire. You made a, a great point. Nobody's made that one yet. So bravo to you, not about the peanut butter, but about the fact that like set a plan because all of us as engineers in our past have been like, I'm going to do this thing. You set no time frame. you start on it and then you never get back to it. And then you have about 500 things that you've started and then you never touch any of them. So really writing that down, setting that time frame, setting that goal. And like, you got to find a way to hold yourself accountable. Yeah. Things I've done in the past, uh, starting chewing glass about starting this show, I didn't ask anybody at the company. I just tweeted, I'm going to start a podcast. If I didn't, people would start asking me about it later and then I would look like a liar. So like I had to, I had to do it. So accountability can really come from just tweeting because if people follow you, they're going to throw it in your face one day and, and nobody likes that. So yeah, I'd say if you're still listening to this podcast, if you've made it this far in Solana, you're interested enough to build something. So build it and then tweet about it. And you probably are interested in following people like Armani, people like Chase, people like Anatoly, and share it. And if you build something, people will see it. And then you'll have kind of innate sense of accountability because you'll be connected to those people and you won't want to let them down. It'll just totally consume your life, but it's, it's yeah. awesome. And by the way, if you build something really cool or you write something really cool, tag me in it, I'll share it so other people can find it. And then you can like inspire other people to... Yeah, join a hackathon, yes, win exactly. some money. Anyways, Brian, this was awesome. I'm so glad we uh, got to have this call. 
Yeah, thanks for coming on uh, the show. Thanks for talking to me. Any last words? Yeah, thank you, Chase. I mean, this whole past couple of months has totally exceeded my expectations. And there's there's real opportunity in this space. I think if you're listening to this, reach out to Chase, build something. He's a man who knows everybody. He can connect you to the right people and he can teach you a lot. So I'm super thankful for, for knowing him and I'm super thankful for this space. All right, man. Have a good one. Cheers. Cheers.